Acts chapter two. I'm gonna start in verse one. So the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And there you see the list of all of the different people represented in verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. And I think this is the same way people are reacting today in 2019 when it comes to the gift of speaking in tongues. I think people are either saying, wow, look at what God is doing. This is amazing. Or people are like, those people are weird. They must be drunk. <laughs> I think it's the same response today. I don't think we're any different. And I want to I wanna explain to you today why I believe it's, it's a case of both and not either or, why I believe that both of the responses to that gift that day are very legitimate and understandable, and I don't think either person should be ridiculed for how they respond to this gift. Matter of fact, Peter didn't ridicule them. Peter actually went into depth to try to explain what was happening. He didn't get up and say, you know, you're just not spiritual, you're just not like us, you don't have what we have. He said, he said, no, these guys aren't drunk like you think they are. Let me explain to you what is happening. And I believe that a good preacher, teacher of God's word is never confrontational in the sense that let me, you don't, you, they're, they're always trying to help people understand. Can somebody say amen to that? Let me, let me explain this to you. And if I explain it to you and you disagree with me, I can't do anything about that. But I'm not gonna sit here and argue with you and yell at you over something that is definitely, through Scripture, not a heaven or hell issue. Amen? So, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. We thank you in particular for the gift of speaking in tongues. Help us today to see what speaking in tongues is, its place in our lives, its place in the church. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. Well, Acts chapter two is not the only place where people are filled with the Spirit uh, and speak in tongues. It actually happens again 10 years later in Acts chapter 10 and verses 34 through 38. Peter is there, and Peter has been told by God to go to a man's house. His name is Cornelius. Now, this man is a Gentile, and he is... Um, an authority figure of the Gentiles. He is a Roman centurion. The Bible teaches us that Peter goes there, Peter reluctantly goes there because he is a Gentile, but God has spoken to him, so Peter's obeying God. And Peter gets to his house and he starts to talk to them, and this is what Peter says in verse 34, Acts chapter 10. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. He's preaching the gospel, right? But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he's the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify, testify about him and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, watch this, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. He's referencing back to Acts 2. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So what Peter says is he says, hey, what's happening, what's happened to us in Acts chapter 2 is happening to them right now. They're being filled with the Spirit. They're being saved by God. They're being baptized in the Spirit. They're speaking with tongues and magnifying God like we did in Acts chapter 2. See, that's what happened in Acts chapter two, wasn't it? Where they were up in the upper room and they get filled with the Holy Ghost. They begin to speak with other tongues. They come out of the upper room and they're praising and magnifying and declaring the works of God and they're speaking in tongues and there are men there that hear them speaking their own language. And then in Acts chapter 19, about 25 years after Pentecost, after the book of Acts chapter two experience, it's happening again. Peter comes up on a group of people who have believed but he asked them this question. He says, hey, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He said, well, let me give you what you've been missing. The gift of the Holy Spirit falls on them. Now, these are people who have already believed in Jesus. They just have not been baptized in the name of Jesus in water, and they haven't been filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so it happens that they, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, they get baptized in water in the name of Jesus, and amazing things happen that day. The Bible says that they speak in tongues and prophesy. It's an amazing experience, isn't it? And so all through the book of Acts, something incredible is happening, something supernatural, something that goes beyond someone just repenting of their sins and confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. Something supernatural is happening. And sometimes it happens the moment they believe. Sometimes it happens a few days or months after they believe. Sometimes it happens before they're baptized in water. Sometimes it happens after they're baptized in water. There's no formula to it. The only thing required for someone to experience the supernatural power of God in that way is to just believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Aren't you thankful today that if God wants to encounter me in a powerful way, all I have to do is believe? I don't have to manufacture it. I don't have to work it up. I don't have to force it to happen. If God wants it to happen like that, then God can make it like that. If I believe, if I believe. And so one of the things that we have to distinguish in this room today is whether or not you believe, first of all, in Jesus. And then second of all, do you still believe that God is gifting people with these gifts of the Holy Spirit? I do. And if you believe that the gifts have ceased and they're no longer in operation in the church, then the next few moments are not gonna matter to you at all. But if you believe that the gifts are still in operation, then this is gonna matter to you. 
I believe it because, let me give you a scripture for why I believe it, and I shared this last week, but I'm gonna give it to you again. 1 Corinthians 13, eight through 12. It says, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child. I used to think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. So I believe that the gifts will cease, number one, when the perfect comes. I don't believe that Jesus has returned yet, and so I believe that the gifts are still in operation. And the reason they will cease is because then we will see him face to face, and then we will fully know. There won't be a need for prophecy because we will fully experience the fulfillment of all prophecy, amen? So I believe they're still active in the church today, and if you believe they're still active, then Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 that we should desire the gifts. We should want these things. We should want them as a part of our life. Will we operate in all of them? Paul teaches us, no, not everyone will operate in every single gift, but that God will give these gifts as he wills, as he so desires. When you particularly need this specific gift, God will give it to you, and you will operate in it, and you will do what is supernatural naturally. It's the way it looks to me. And so I wanna talk to you, first of all, what is speaking in tongues? Because I think the biggest disagreement as far as what speaking in tongues is, is you, you kind of fall into either one or two places of thinking. The first one would be that, that the gift of speaking in tongues is natural human language, is that God gives you the ability to speak so that the person who doesn't speak your language can hear you effectively communicate the gospel. And I understand that conclusion because as you look at Acts chapter two, you see that they come out of the room, the Bible says they're speaking in tongues, the word tongues just, don't let the word tongues freak you out, okay? The word tongues just means languages, that's all it means. So they're speaking in tongues, the Bible says that when they come out of the upper room, they're speaking in tongues, the Bible teaches us that the men that are gathered that day, they hear them speaking in their own language, their own dialect. It's so specific to their region that they are actually blown away by it. So I understand how someone could come to the conclusion that these are actual known languages, that somebody would be empowered to speak so that the gospel would be communicated or that something would happen so significant and supernatural that people who are unbelievers from other nations would say, yes, God is moving. There's no way these Galileans are speaking my language. God must be using them. Isn't that a powerful thing? I totally understand that and I totally respect that. There's another, there's another way of thinking that says that this, this speaking in tongues is not necessarily a human language, but is a, a heavenly language. It is something supernatural that comes from heaven, and so they reference cloven tongues falling on them from heaven as a fire. And the belief is that they came out of the upper room, not speaking in a known human language, but that they came out of the upper room speaking in some sort of heavenly language. That would have been a, a combination of, of vowels and a combination of words that doesn't make sense to the natural person, but supernaturally could be understood. And so what they believe is that a miracle of hearing also occurred that day. That that day, the people in the crowd, as they came out of the upper room, the people in the crowd heard them speaking in a heavenly language, but it was being translated into their ears as their own language. And I totally understand and respect that. I totally see how it could be both. And the reason I see it that way is because 
the only real opportunity we get to have any sort of insight into what tongues actually is, is it's one chapter in the entire New Testament. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, one chapter. And I'm like, God, could you have given us more? <laughs> but he didn't. He gave us this one chapter. And I believe that the reason he gave us this one chapter is because I believe that Paul is abundantly clear on the gift of tongues in this chapter. And I believe that the way Paul speaks to it is that it could potentially be not either or, but both and. And I wanna talk to you about that because I don't want you to miss out on it because you are so fundamentally stuck in your belief that it was human languages or it's heavenly language. I want you to have a mindset that says, you know what, it could potentially be both and I could respect and honor that it could be both. And I don't have to make Pentecostals feel like they're drunken, wild, crazy people. And I don't have to make the Baptists feel like they're not elite like me because I speaketh in other tonguethis. <laughs> There's a conclusion that you can come to that says, hey, let us reason together. We actually probably agree on more than we disagree on. So let's, let's talk about it for a second. So in Acts chapter two, they came out, they're speaking in tongues. They hear them speaking their own language and dialect. And that actually matches up with what happened in Acts chapter 10 because when they heard them speak, the Bible says that they heard them magnifying God, declaring the mighty works of God. And then Peter, the Bible says, gets up and preaches. Peter more than likely preached in the common language of that day, which was Greek. And all of the Jews that were gathered that day were, were Jews that had been dispersed. Jews that because of the occupation of Rome had been dispersed throughout the known world. And Rome was actually in control of most of the known world at that time. So the common language, not only there in Jerusalem, but the common language in most of the nations represented that day would have been Greek. That's why it was called Koine Greek which means common. It was the common language. And so Peter would have got up that day. Peter wouldn't have preached in tongues. Nowhere in the New Testament do we see anybody preaching in tongues. Nowhere. Peter stood up and preached that day, not in tongues, but probably more than likely in Greek that day. Maybe potentially his own native language, which would have probably been like Aramaic or something like that. But more than likely, because it was the common language and everybody would have understood it, he preached in Greek, explaining what was happening to the disciples. And that matches up with Acts chapter 10, because in Acts chapter 10, it says that they spoke in tongues and they were magnifying God. So the same thing happened in Acts chapter 10 that's happening in Acts chapter 2. They're speaking in tongues, and what is heard is them magnifying and declaring God. And then that lines up with what Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 14, because Paul teaches that when somebody speaks in tongues, they're not speaking to men but they're speaking to God. Turn to 1 Corinthians 14 if you would, and we're just gonna kind of go through 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and discover some things that really help us see that it's probably, it's probably both. For the speaker, it's, it's, it's potentially a heavenly language or an earthly language not known to them, but for them, they're not even doing it for the benefit of people. <laughs> they're doing it as praise to God, as worship to God. Why? Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, he says that when someone speaks in a tongue, they do not speak to men, but to God. 
Some people have said that in Acts chapter two, they came out of the upper room and they were speaking with tongues because there was a language barrier and it would have helped them preach the gospel because it would have broken down the language barrier. I got, I got some just general news and knowledge for you about the day. Most people in that day knew multiple languages. Language wasn't a barrier like it is for us today. Like if you dropped me in another country, this, this is what I sound like in another country. Like I know a little bit of Spanish. So have you ever seen someone mix like their Spanish words with their English words? I was, I was in Mexico for the first time. There was this lady in the airport. She was trying to tell somebody she needed two. Uh, she had two suitcases and she was going, I have dose suitcases. Isn't that funny when we think somebody doesn't understand us? We just talk slower and louder, like if that, that fixes the problem. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear me the first time. I have dose. It's not helping. It'd be like if somebody came in the room today and stood on the stage and spoke in Mandarin, and we were like, what is this person? And they went, they spoke it louder. It doesn't help because you say it louder. <laughs> Just, just a tip for any of you who have never traveled to another country. When you go, don't speak in English louder and slower. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. <laughs> so it's, it's possible that it was foreign languages. It's possible that it was the languages of the people represented that day. It's also possible that it was a heavenly language that when it hit their ears, there was a miracle of hearing that occurred that day, that they were all hearing their own language. Do you see that? Do you see how it's just not something to fight over and divide over and throw stuff at each other over and start a church, you know, on the next corner over? Well, we're the first church of the Book of Acts experience. Well, we're the second church of the, like, no, man, like, this, it's, it's not worth it. It's potentially and probably both and. Paul goes in 1 Corinthians, he gives us insight. And so that makes sense, doesn't it? Because when they came out of the upper room, they weren't preaching to anybody. They weren't even talking to the people that were in the crowd. They were magnifying God. And they heard them magnifying God. That's what happened in Acts chapter 10. They're speaking in tongues, and they heard them magnifying God. And that makes sense, and that, that, that comes together when you read 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul says, hey, when a person speaks in a tongue, they speak to God and not to men. Wow, that's helpful, isn't it? Because he goes on and he says, for no one understands them. For one of two reasons. Either because no one in the crowd of the church that day in Corinth understood the foreign language that was being spoken, or because Paul recognized that normally and probably when someone speaks in tongues, no one really understands them. The reason is simple, because potentially, probably with the gift of tongues, the intention is to speak to God and not man. Nowhere in the New Testament do we see someone preaching in tongues, prophesying in tongues, but we do see people magnifying God in tongues, speaking to God in tongues. So that jives, right? It makes sense. It connects with what Paul is teaching. No one understands him because God understands him. And the reason it's important to Paul in this context is because Paul says, hey, when you're in church, you're gathered with people, don't just go speaking in tongues because nobody's gonna understand you especially in a crowd like this where we all speak the same language and there's the potential that nobody in the crowd speaks the language that you are using and it doesn't benefit them. It benefits nobody. So he says, if you're gonna do it in the church, make sure 
that you pray that you interpret what you are speaking. At the least, someone else in the room should be able to interpret what you are saying. But I love how he puts the pressure on the person who believes that I need to speak in tongues right now in this public space. He puts the pressure on them to interpret. And he's like, and if you can't, and if there is no interpretation, then in the public setting, stop. It's out of order. Okay. So why? Because no one understands you. Why? Because in the spirit, he goes on to say, you're speaking mysteries. <laughs> no one gets it. It's not helping anybody. But he does say this. Watch this. In verse four, he says, though, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. So Paul isn't disqualifying people who speak in tongues. He's just trying to put it in the right context. And doesn't it look as if Paul is making room not only for tongues to be a foreign language that is known to people, but also something that is not known to people? Now, there are translations like the King James Bible who put the word unknown tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The problem with that is that there is that word unknown does not appear in the original Greek language. The King James uh, interpreters, the King James people who, who took the Bible, the Greek, and they interpreted it into the King James version of the Bible, actually added that word there. It's not there in the original text. For, for, so for someone to say that what Paul is talking about in, in 1 Corinthians 14 is different than what happened in Acts chapter 2, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up because nowhere does he explain, hey, I'm talking about something different than what happened originally. And that word unknown does not appear in the Greek text anywhere. It's added by the, that's why it's in parentheses because it's added by the translators. So verse four, he says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So doesn't it seem like he is making room for tongues to be something that is potentially both a language that someone would understand the book of Acts and this heavenly dialogue between God and men. I, I, just, I just see that. I see it so clearly. And I'm, I'm a person who grew up uh, in, with a Pentecostal background. And we're gonna get to some of that theology in just a second. So to answer your question, what is tongues? Tongues can either be in my interpretation of scripture, it can either be supernatural ability to speak a language that you do not know that someone else hears and they say, wow, God's using that person because I hear them blessing God in my language. Or it is a heavenly dialogue between God and men. Why? Because Paul said, when you speak in tongue, you don't speak to men, but to God. Okay. Now watch this. Here's the other question I wanna answer because a lot of people ask this question. This question is actually a question that has caused a lot of confusion, a lot of shame, uh, a lot of ridicule, a lot of feelings of inadequacy, not good enough, is something wrong with me? Is this question, do I, must I speak in tongues to prove that I have been filled with the Holy Spirit? And my answer to that question is absolutely not. 
I don't see that in scripture. I do see in scripture where people were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. But that is not always the case. It's not always the case. Let me give you some examples. There's no mention of tongues when the Holy Spirit came on converts in Samaria in Acts chapter eight. Same thing, they're filled with the Holy Ghost, no mention of tongues. When the Ethiopian eunuch was converted in Acts chapter eight, when Saul, who became Paul, was converted in Acts chapter nine, when Paul himself confronted a sorcerer in Acts chapter 13, verses eight through 11, or when Paul preached this, the message of Jesus in Acts 13, verses 44 through 52. In Acts chapter four, verses 31, we see the believers gathered together. The Bible says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The building shook, but there's no mention of tongues. It just says that they were filled with boldness and preached the word of God with boldness. So not long after Pentecost, the apostles were praying for God's help. He shows up, fills them with his spirit. There's no mention of tongues. And it's clear to me that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14 is Paul correcting the Corinthian church for an overemphasis on the gift of tongues. Because he says to them, I would rather you prophesy than speak in tongues. So here's my, here's my thought on that, is that any doctrine that would teach you that you have to prove you are filled with the Holy Spirit by manifesting a gift in your life, I just don't believe that there's any way to come to that conclusion biblically. And so we do not teach that here. We do not represent that here. We believe that these gifts are active. We believe that people will operate in these gifts. We do not, however, believe that everyone has to speak in tongues or everyone will. I do not believe that everyone will prophesy or everyone has to just because you see it happening in some of the scriptures and some of the occurrences in the Bible. And so I want to take some shame off of some people today who have been told that you didn't have the gift of the Holy Spirit because you didn't speak in tongues and tell you that the way you get the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says it this way, Jesus said that if you ask, he will give it to you. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more does your heavenly father know how to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? So I believe the Holy Spirit lives in us at conversion, but after we are saved, we can ask for encounters with God, baptisms of the Holy Spirit, fillings of the Holy Spirit, experiences with the Holy Spirit where God empowers us and gifts us and uses us for his glory. I believe that. And I believe that he can use us in the gift of tongues. But this is how I see it flowing and operating and functioning in the Bible. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me today? What I see when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit is God using people to do things supernaturally in a natural way. Um, for some of you and for me, my experience with the gift of tongues was I was eight years old, I was in a room 
and they were asking, does anybody want to be filled with the Spirit and speak with other tongues? And of course, I'm eight and I want everything. <laughs> and so I go up to the front and I remember this like it was yesterday. I went up to the front and I prayed and I believe in that moment that I spoke with tongues according to scripture. And then I believe that God didn't just do that. But the next morning, we were at the choir practice for the camp. And my mom is playing the piano. And my mom is upset because the drummer that was supposed to show up that day didn't show up. And she asked the crowd, does anybody out here know how to play the drums? Now, if you knew me, you knew since I was little, I wanted to be a drummer, but had no idea how to play the drums. For some reason, I threw my hand up in the air and I said, I do. And my mom looked at me like, boy, sit down. You are out of your mind. I said, no, let me try. And in front of a hundred or more campers, I was the, the youngest age was eight. So I was the youngest in the crowd. I walked up, I got on the drums, they started to play the song, and I was immediately able to play the drums the day after I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. The day after, isn't that crazy? Some of y'all know I was the drummer here up until I was about 24, 25 years old. Never took a lesson in my life, and God supernaturally gifted me. I never practiced except when they forced us to come out and practice the songs with the worship team. It was just a supernatural thing that God did in my life. And the reason I'm talking to you today about this gift is I don't want the focus to be tongues. I want you to get out of this an expectation and a desire for God to do supernatural things with your life. And if it is tongues, be open to it. Don't reject it. If it is prophecy, be open to it. Don't reject it. Some of you, maybe God has wanted to use you in the gift of tongues, but you were so afraid and so much bad teaching and so much bad experience kept you from doing it, so you held back. Maybe for some of you, God has spoken to you and given you prophetic words about people's lives or about situations, and because you were so afraid and you're so intimidated or your religion taught you one thing, you just never stepped out and allowed God to use you like that. Can I tell you, the only way you know is if you try. I just encourage you today to whatever it is, just say, God, I want it all. Get, if, if, if it's wisdom that's required, give me wisdom. Come on, if, if it's prophecy that's required, give me prophecy. If it's, if it's administration that is required, give me the gift of administration. If it's the gift of tongues that's required, give me that. I want whatever you have for me. I'm not shutting the book on anything that the Bible says is available to me. I want it. I desire it. I need it in my life. Holy Spirit, I'm your vessel. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy God? Like God wants to use you as his dwelling place, as his acting place, as his moving place. Just if you would, maybe just if you're open to it, just throw your hands up in the air today and say, God, I'm open to whatever you want to do. I don't necessarily understand it all. And 
I, I, I'm trying my best, but God, I just want you to know that I'm open. Use me for your glory. I'm open to the giftings of the Holy Spirit. I believe in you, Jesus. I trust you. I believe your word. And I believe the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living on the inside of me. It's making me alive right now. In Jesus' name. Baptize us afresh, O oh God. Give us Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 9. Give us experiences with you that are supernatural beyond our own understanding. Something more than just the confession and repentance experience, but something that is so significant that it marks us for the rest of our lives. Give us those experiences over and over and over and over again. We need you now like we have never needed you before. We live in a day where the world needs the power of God. Not just words, but power. Not just eloquent, eloquent speech, but demonstration that the gospel is real. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone shouted, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together and bless the Lord? Amen. Amen.